Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to the Cyber Law Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Pollack, cybersecurity privacy attorney with McDonald Hopkins. As always, keep those questions, calls, comments coming, 410-917-5189, or email me at spollock, that's S as in Sam, P as in Paul, O-L-L-O-C-K at mcdonaldhopkins.com. Very excited today, got a special guest, Mr. Anthony Hess, CEO and co-founder of Aceris. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Spencer. Of course. So let's jump right into it, Anthony, just because, you know, Aceris has a really cool model and you service a lot of different clients in terms of U.S. nationals and European. So the first thing I really want to get into is, can you kind of tell the audience what are the kind of the differences you're seeing in like the UK Euro response, IR response versus the US? And specifically, how do you all handle it differently? Or what are you seeing differently on breach council side or culture side with organizations? Just nuts the bolts. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think there's probably a few different angles we could we could take to answer that question. I, I guess I'll start with the threats, I think, you know, if you look at kind of the cyber cyber threats, the things that people are getting hit with, it is, you know, business email compromise or it's ransomware primarily. Uh, that's probably 80 plus percent of, of, of what I would expect insurers to be seeing in terms of cyber claims. Uh, and it is probably similar for us. I think, you know, the U.S. tends to have, um, you know, a big chunk of W-2 fraud, especially in the spring, where uh, you know, systems are compromised in order to to kind of um, file fake tax returns and and take money from that. That's probably the biggest difference in terms of the the, the sort of technical attacks that I see. Um, I'd say just in terms of you know another difference technically is in the response. Uh, you know, ransomware is you know obviously a big scourge for everyone, and it you know results in a lot of downtime. I think the difference between the the two areas of the world. So kind of comparing Europe with the US, um, I think the US moved to cloud-based or online backups, you know, backing up to hard drives and things like that, rather than tape probably earlier than than Europe. So I think that, you know, the disruption was probably you know, maybe a bit different. There was more backups historically. Um, although I'd say where we're getting to today, I think they're 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 really pretty similar. Um, because I do think most companies now are, are you know, really prepping for for ransomware. Uh, on the business email compromise side, very, very similar. So um, I guess going through the, the three different really common case types that we see a lot of, W-2 fraud is very U.S. focused because it's, you know, U.S. tax returns. Um, ransomware, getting more and more similar between the, the the two areas of the world. And then business email compromise, which is pretty much identical from from what we can see, um, I'd say scale of incidents. Uh, you know, the U.S. is going to have a lot of large companies, so most of the really giant incidents you see in the press are are going to come out of the U.S. Um, maturity is a bit different. You know, you'd mentioned kind of the the way it works. You know, how are you seeing things? You know, um, you know pre pre GDPR, so before 2018, I don't think you really saw a lot of legal involvement in. Um, in these cases, um, you know, these days, I think it's it's much more common to have breach counsel involved. Although, to date, I think primarily because of the, in, in my opinion, you know, the the dramatically less likelihood of um, 
of having uh, of having class actions. Uh, I think you you know it's maybe a, a little bit less formal, a little bit less strict that it's always going to be legal counsel, and maybe there's a little bit more openness around you know how you document things and 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 the kinds of information you're you're sharing back up. So I think that the sort of breach counsel relationship is a big different bit different, uh, and the, the the maturity is different because, as I said, this. The industry here, the way it's structured is probably a lot more recent than the way it's structured in the U.S. So, so yeah, I, I kind of covered a lot of ground there, but but hopefully, um, you know, different bits and pieces. No, no, that was great. Do you see in terms of ransomware and ransomware payments, is it kind of like a uniform across when, like, when you're comparing U.S. and Euro or, or U.K.? Or yeah. a different mentality, because um, I mean, on the U.S. side, right? I can give you, yeah. obviously, you can take firsthand experience about U.S. companies and kind of how hyper they get. What about the U.K. side? It These days, it feels relatively similar. Um, you know, it's really hard for me to look at any of the trends we've noticed and say, this is definitely U.S. or this is definitely U.K. or definitely, you know, sort of Europe. You know, I think there may be, you know, other other kinds of data sources you can find out there that'll, you know, have some difference in percentage and that may be true. But I would say anecdotally, just from dealing with different companies, it feels like the attitudes are are relatively homogenized. Uh, the amount of times you end up paying because nobody wants to pay ever wants to pay a ransom unless they feel they have no choice. I think that is very similar across both markets. So yeah, I guess that's kind of my feeling on that. Interesting. Cause you know, I, I never, I always feel like the UK and Europe, and it might just be my perception, we're always a couple weeks ahead from what we were seeing on our side. Um, but I don't know. That might just be my when you, Google, my Google yeah, what, doctrine, right? When my you say well, when you say a couple weeks ahead, what do you mean? In like, terms of like, well, I would say they're vastly ahead when we're coming to privacy, right? But when we're coming to cyber threats, yeah, and how they were weathering. Just in talking mm. to different companies, do you think threat actors start on the Europe side, European side, or start on the U.S. side, or don't discriminate? I, I, that's a tough one. So my 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 like kind of immediate questions. answer is that well, they, I, my immediate answer is they. I don't think they discriminate generally in terms of their process. You know, they're going to look for low hanging fruit. They're going to look for opportunities. They're going to look for vulnerabilities. Um, you know, to try to get into these companies and and exploit them. I think that you know, a- anywhere there's money is really what they're going to look for. So yeah. there may be some deprioritization of if they think a company doesn't have money, for example. Um, but I would say typically, I don't feel like there's much geographical distinction other than the financial aspect of it. Got it. Got it. Um, all right, let's shift into kind of the insurance world because you know you bring a unique perspective because you come from the insurance side. What are you seeing, or how do you think the UK insurance market compares mm. with the US insurance market? And directly related to where do you think this is going to be going moving forward? And I know you haven't yeah. been in the insurance world for a little while, but you were in it for so long. I feel like you would have. Yeah. Um, so I think the the first immediate difference I I notice is is just you know it ties back a little bit into what i mentioned before it's just the difference in maturity and scale you know i know i was referring more around the ir and the ir process and kind of how all that works um, but i still think 
you know, it's it's worth noting the insurance market is much larger, much more mature in the U.S. Flip side of that is, you know, you're going to see faster growth. You know, there's a, there's a lot more. It's it's much more kind of an emerging situation here. I think, yeah, the U.K. is 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 pretty well developed as an insurance market compared to a lot of others in Europe. But I think all of them in terms of penetration relative to the U.S., it's quite a bit lower. Um, so I think that's that's probably one that's worth noting. There's, you know, it's going to be. I don't know if I should say it's a less competitive market because I don't think that's accurate, but it's more that the competition's probably newer here. You know, the market's quite a bit smaller um, and it's quite a bit newer. I would say another, you know, kind of related to that one trend that is really interesting is there are, it feels like the insure techs in particular are expanding into Europe as kind of their next step um, within, you know, the Gosh, I, I guess it's time's kind of flying, but the last two or three years we've seen coalition. You know, obviously Corvus is, you know, that's a long story, but Corvus is here. Uh Cowbell is is now here in the UK. Um Box Insurance, you know, it's an MGA out of out of Canada, is is kind of, you know, doing different things in this part of the world. So I, I think you do see you do see kind of the insure techs out of the US are expanding here. And so it's you know, it's probably looking more and more like the states, um, you know, from that perspective. I'd say otherwise, you know, in terms of the broad trends, I think the broad trends other than, the, you know, the, the, the percentage of expansion, et cetera, and the things I just talked about, um, I think are roughly similar. You know, you tend to see relatively similar models, you know, in terms of what the insurers are coming with. So if you're, you know, very services oriented approach like like CFC or coalition, um, you know, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna look the same here as it does does in the U.S. Um, you know, if you're if you're Beasley and you have BBR, uh, you know, BBR ten years ago, you know, existed in the U.S. but not really here. Um, but you know, they're in both places now. So I think it's kind of looking at things broadly in that sense. I think it's all kind of standardizing. You know, they're all kind of relatively similar across. Um, you know, there's probably some differences insurer by insurer that you could point out, but I think it's 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 pretty similar. You're getting a more uniform um, taste almost now. Yeah, because it's kind of you know it's sort of a global strategy with um, at least on the services side, which is the, obviously the thing I'm going to pay the most attention to. Um, it all looks relatively similar. Now you may see different you know different panel vendors or or whatnot, but the the overall models are probably roughly similar. And again, I can point out specific insurers where you might see some differences, but I think it's not like it was a few years ago where it was dramatically different, where you had very different models because um, it all it is somewhat globally standardized, I feel. Um, now, I'm not speaking to kind of the underwriting or broking side just because I'm paying a bit less attention to that. But um, but yeah, that's my Interesting. thought. Yeah, I think the uniform nature is going to i agree i think that's going to help the overall market too about what we see and i, I think the global expansions of these companies definitely going to continue especially yeah. not in america but that's something we could spend hours on uh, well you know markets are interesting and kind of where where is insurance going you know obviously you've got uh the u.s being the big early adopter but it is interesting to see the international expansion and it's it's kind of it's kind of neat now i know you know, LATAM is going to get more press in the U.S. just based on, you know, some some common kind of historical things being in the same time zone, you know, languages. Um, obviously, a lot of people in the U.S. speak Spanish. Um, so I think there's a, a lot of attention probably being paid to the LATAM market. You know, you've got Miami where a lot of the insurers are that are focused on LATAM. 
I think um, that market is probably, you know, quite a few years. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say a few years behind maybe where it is in Europe, but it's definitely, um, it's definitely something emerging and it's worth paying attention to. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see where it goes. Um, last question I wanted to talk to you about because you have an interesting career path, right? Going from the insurer side, flipping into the vendor world, but also mm. co-founding Aceris. Yeah. So, I don't know, give us a little background about how you decided to make that shift out of the insurance world, how you decided to co-found Aceris and where you kind of see this all going moving forward. Yeah. So I would say first answer to that, the immediate thing that, that comes to mind is we have not left insurance. I have not left insurance. I consider myself and I've I've had many discussions with people over this. I consider myself to still be in the insurance world. I consider Aceris as a company to be in the insurance world as a as a service provider to to insurers and law firms. And and obviously we're servicing their clients, but I feel like we haven't uh I haven't gone very far career career wise. Um, but I would say that the history of Aceris probably goes back to when I was in a big four consultancy and I started working closely with insurers in this part of the world. So it was kind of before I worked in an insurer, I was working with insurers. And so I was doing a variety of things back then. Um, it was kind of actuarial work and various kinds of assessment work, incident response. Um, you know, and, and that was, I really enjoyed it when I first got into insurance. I thought, wow, this is. Well, okay, I'll be honest. My first thought was this is kind of a silly idea. That was very my very first thought as a cybersecurity professional. Um, this doesn't make any sense to me. I don't understand it. Then I spent a little bit of time on it and I and I, you know, got to start to work with the people who I, I really liked working with. I really liked working with all the people here in the in the UK and you know, in kind of that early UK insurance market 10 years ago. Um cyber insurance market. And so, yeah, I thought, you know what, this is actually a really cool way of solving issues that I saw around cybersecurity services, like simplifying them, um, getting people to really focus on, you know, a small number of things that'll make a really huge difference rather than needing to think about all the possible things that can go wrong. I mean, that's still a good idea, but I think insurance is great at helping with prioritization and really understanding the risk. And so I thought that was, that was really neat. Um, I thought it was great for uh as as a method of providing and managing incident response services i thought insurance was great and these are all early early thoughts that i had so i, I enjoyed the people i really liked the people i worked with in insurance um i liked it as a way of prioritizing security spend and helping focus on things that really really were the highest risk uh and then i liked it as as something that was able to to help people with managing dfir services so kind of those three things you know off the top of my head you know, were, were kind of reasons I, I thought, well, this is really cool. I want to do this. I want to spend the rest of my career focused on insurance. Uh, then I went into an insurer and I learned, you know, a, a huge amount about the insurance world and kind of, you know, maybe shifted my focus a little bit. Kind of those three points still applied, but maybe I learned some of the details on what really mattered to insurers and and what really mattered to the size of claims. And, and, um, and, and I originally actually, when I was when I decided to leave the insurer, I, I, I kind of, you know, um, I don't know what's how to say it. I, I just, I wanted to move faster. You know, I, I wanted to try to be more aggressive in terms of how I wanted to build things. Um, you know, kind of my vision on where I thought kind of like an insure tech insurer should go. And, um, 
And so the original plan was, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go start an insurance company, uh, go start an MGA and, and then just kind of see where it goes. Kind of going through some of the, some of the thought process around it. Um, I thought, you know what, maybe there's a different approach I can take. Maybe I can just go and, um, and do an insurance focused, you know, kind of services company consultancy. And so that's, that's really where, you know, I mean, there was obviously there's some, some time in between there and other, other things going on, but that was really the thought process behind Aceris, which was, okay, can I create an insurance focused consultancy? You know, that obviously we focused on DFIR and, but you know, there's, there's probably, um, yeah, it was just something where you could just kind of, you could take it to market. You could, you could bootstrap it, which we did. So we, we did not take investment and that allowed us to be really focused on clients. Um, it, obviously it has some downsides, you know, we had to come, we had to get into the, the pandemic didn't, you know, was, was sort of a, uh, an interesting topic on yeah. interesting topic on its own. But I think, um, you know, it, it sort of changed some of our approach, but, um, you know, kind of going with the, just kind of build it, build it right, build it with a real focus on the clients and, you know, take your time doing it. So, so yeah, I, I know that was kind of a long answer, but I, I, um, there is a, a really long history on it and I probably could, could go even, even more into that, but, but yeah, I consider us very much in the insurance market and we're, we're very focused on, on trying to help insurers with what I think is a really interesting problem. Yeah, no, I think you, that was a really interesting distinction and clarification. Uh, but Anthony, no, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing some really cool insight and wisdom with the audience. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on Spencer. Of course. And for the audience, as always, keep the questions, calls, comments coming 410-917-5189 or spollock at mcdonaldhopkins.com. Check out Anthony has too. I'm sure you can find him on LinkedIn or Anthony, what's a good email for you? Um, this might be hard to hard to spell, but it's my first initial. So A-H-E-S-S. So A-H-E-S at aceris.com. So A-S-C-E-R-I-S dot com. Morning. Thank you again. And for everybody else, have a great morning, great afternoon, or great evening, and we'll see you on the next one.